It wasn't a bad place to get stuck. In fact, she didn't even realise she was stuck. She'd put down roots, you know, established connections, you know, built things up. That's not stuck. But this is where she stayed. I mean, she had a lot of things to do in this place. She heard a call to make some changes, move on. She really thought about it, but there was no kind of definite pathway, uh, nothing concrete. It was a bit unknown. She better just sort of stay here for now. Besides, it was pretty cool in this place. She was in a good groove, right where she stood. Time passed and another call was heard. She didn't catch all the words. She was very busy, super busy. Life was chaotic. chaotic. She felt the pull though, the kind of need to make new steps. She would go, yes but just in a different season. When another call came, it was like a shout, an alarm. <sighs> She'd been standing still too long though, <sighs> too long to make big strides. She just didn't have the energy. Besides, she wasn't dressed to go. She'd taken off her shoes yeah, it felt pretty good at the time. I mean, that's how everyone else trod the earth in this place. Many calls came, as did many seasons of wet and messy weather. It sort of changed the landscape, kind of changed her. I mean, there'd always been mud, but What's a little mud? It didn't bother her. But now, mud squelched between her toes. It became difficult, really, to move much at all. The mud climbed higher and higher until it held her fast. Her raincoat was soaked. Her golden hair bedraggled and brown with muddy water. She's turned the colour of the place she dwelt in. She was starting to become unrecognisable even to herself. Yeah, it was time to go. But how? She was stuck. I want to encourage you from scripture. Oh, sorry, this morning I really want to speak to you about the desire that the Holy Spirit stirs up in each of us for change, real spiritual change. Sometimes it's a quiet whisper that says, hey, pilgrim, you're supposed to be moving through. You're looking very settled. It may just be like a restless feeling, you know, like perhaps the place you're in is not 
where you could be. Maybe it's not where you should be. Perhaps you just have a deep longing to run in something new. But there is so much going on that it's really hard to find traction. I want to encourage you from scripture this morning that this urge, this inner call, however quiet or loud, comes from your father. In Philippians 2.13, Paul writes, For it is God who works in you both to, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, God has a pathway in mind for you and the power to move you along it. His plan is for a life of motion of purpose, of active life, filled up and overflowing with love. God is always trying to position us to seek him and real, continuous change. The call is echoed throughout the Bible, turn, turn, turn. Whenever I see it in my Bible, I, actually, I draw a little U-turn sign beside it as a little reminder to myself, turn, turn. And when we begin to turn towards him, God sends the Holy Spirit to expand our ability to know him, to guide and grow us. He moves us on from just spinning our wheels in the same old place to really change us. As our desire for change swells, the Holy Spirit sort of fills the room that we make. So we have to kind of, it is a gift, but we kind of have to empty out self to be able to claim this gift. As holiness doesn't sit as a side dish to self and sin. And in this way, we have Christ in us. And his character works to change us and set us apart from this murky, muddy world that we have become unrecognisably sometimes enmeshed in. Like this lady, I came to a point in life of needing spiritual change, a deep cleanse, a new direction. It came gradually, God growing the desire within me. I had been slowly reorienting my thoughts and the purpose of my life toward God. It's turning, it's turning. Even though I had believed in him and loved him my whole life, I had just gotten stuck. Know the feeling? That was very well timed, the <laughs> musical note. I wanted more, and as an intention, it rated, you know, before exercise on every New Year's resolutions list. But my self-originated change didn't go very far. And the state of my running shoes is a pretty good testament to that. I was still holding on to all of my plans, and they were anchoring me to the same spiritual spot. My focus, desires, 
my habits, my time and energy were still under my control, the way I wanted things to be, dwelling in the places that I had chosen to be, with faith, but an add-on. Life was crazy busy, and on top of the many commitments with being a working mother, I was also studying as well. And I was also losing my father at that time. And when I sat at his graveside for a final farewell, I just stopped. And I dropped everything that I'd been holding so tightly. And I just surrendered. And it was the most beautiful moment. And it's hard to even describe that occasion with what happened next. But it happened spiritually and physically. This, uh, the sky sort of had been, been pouring down with rain before the service and sun just cut through and just bathed us in light. <laughs> oh, and I felt joy. It's strange to say that, but that is God's love. He promises joy. The deepest sense of peace came over me, and I just couldn't really name it. I remember driving away thinking, what is this emotion? It's calm, it's happy, it's full, it's what is this? And I realized later that it's love. It's nothing that we have language to wrap around because it's God. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit, gift of love. And at that exact time, I also felt things come, well, I saw things come clearly. It was like this sharpening in my mind. With love comes understanding. The Bible tells us that. And I realized, this world is fleeting. I'm out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I just, Jesus is coming. I just want to see him. And I just want to hasten that day. I want to move. Um, I want to share this love. God's change, I began to realize, is holistic and continuous. When the Holy Spirit comes, the scriptures start wrapping around your everyday life in new ways. Let us speak right into where you're at and what you're doing. You can't be stagnant. You can't dwell in the dead places you have been. The Holy Spirit equips you to go, sharing his love. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to one of my favorite verses. And it's one that we actually brought up in Sabbath school today, which is one of those Holy Spirit moments. We're going to stay here for our whole time together. It's Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. It's up on the screen as well. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God promises, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Let's look closely at this together because it is an incredible promise. First of all, God offers us a new heart. 
I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. After this promise is given, Ezekiel is taken in vision to a valley full of dry bones. And God says to him to speak to the bones of Israel. And if you look down at Ezekiel 37 verse 5, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Now these bones were those of God's people. They were believers who knew God in head but not in heart or action. They had let the world fill them up instead. They had dried out. They'd just become bones, losing life as it was intended and becoming stuck in the valley without any real purpose or action for God. So although there's no mud, it's really the same spiritual state. Dried out, stale, spiritually stagnant. And it's a strange and wondrous sight that happens next as God brings breath from the four corners of the earth to restore the bones to vigorous life. And it's so poignant as a follow-on from this statement, this promise for a new heart and a new spirit. Now when Jesus arrives on earth later on, God's children are still stuck, stagnant living out a lifeless religion. They're effectively the living dead. So Jesus conquers death in two definitive ways. Firstly, he models to the people what real, abundant, full, vibrant life looks like. And it looks like love. It is love. Love in motion, in action lived out. And secondly, propelled by this love, he then dies a harrowing death on the cross to give us his life forever. So not just our life forever, but his life that we just caught a glimpse of forever. This new heart here promised in Ezekiel is the heart of Jesus. You see, the whole of God wants to unite to give you a heart transplant. How cool is that? Not just a better heart, but the very heart of our Saviour. In John 15, 26, Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, oh, it's this beautiful circle. As I read, as I read this, think of this. I'll move over here and you can see this beautiful flower-arranging circle here, someone has done an amazing job of. When the Helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And this is what happens, this entire God power directed at us. At Pentecost, God sends the gift of the Holy Spirit with fire, which is like writing his signature on the gift tag. With love, God. And then the Holy Spirit, through Peter, points the people to the truth about the love and victory 
of Jesus. And Acts records that the people who had chosen to dwell in these dead places, in this dead religion, they had even killed Jesus because he had called them to change. They were cut to the heart. We're stuck. Yes, we're lifeless. Yes, we need to change. Help. And when they repent, they're given this massive outpouring of love. This love is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And this love powers a global movement of change that we are still a part of. They are given the heart of Jesus. Paul puts it perfectly in Galatians 2.20 when he declares, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, actually in me. Jesus gives us his love, his character, and his win, his victory. The Holy Spirit was sent to ensure that we stay in this close relationship of accepting the heart transplant while still trying to navigate this muddy, messed up planet each day. But it's the love expressed at the cross, not us, that powers real spiritual change. If you desire the loving heart of Jesus in place of yours this morning, I'm going to ask you to join me in reading out this promise as a prayer together. Dear Lord, please give me a new heart, your heart, and put a new spirit in me. Along with a new heart, God offers us a new direction. He says, I will put my spirit in you and move you. God's spirit is an active spirit, one that'll move you to repent and move on. God has a pure purpose and will walk with you as you let go of your ways and move in his direction. God finds you where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. Now, despite the scars that prove that many of us are standing in a bit of a rotten, muddy place, we can get a little stuck here, right? It's easy to see the false steps in others, but not so easy to see the sin that's part of our own journey. Worse still, we minimize, that's a little mud. We rationalize or pretend it's insignificant. But Jesus wants to open your eyes to the real state of things, the real state of you, the real state of me. He doesn't want us stuck in a dead valley of dry bones. He gives life and he moves us forward. Through the prophets, he constantly called Israel away from the stagnant, self-serving places that they got stuck in. These were places where they would fill up on, on stuff, on distraction, on entertainment, on ambition, on pleasure, and they would lose spirituality. 
As a father, he pleads through Micah. And you can just hear the desperation of a father in his voice. Real life is at stake. Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. Arise, depart. This is not your rest. Choosing life eternal, real change, means leaving your baggage, your sin, and the place that you're stuck in. When you ask for forgiveness and for the Spirit to change you, as the Lord tells Ezekiel, it will be the Spirit who moves you forward. It's never too late to start doing this daily. In Joel 1, 12 to 13, I love this verse that God is longing for us to see our need and reach out for him. He says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and just abounding in love. Come. Come towards me. Turn. I will move you. This kind of change will not leave you where you're at. If you would like the Holy Spirit to move you forward today, I invite you to again join me in saying these words out loud as a prayer from Ezekiel's promise. Lord, please put your spirit in me and move me. God offers a new heart, a new direction, and a new inner you. He says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus promised that a life lived with him will be full of, with a completeness of joy. I'm in for that. What about you? That's a pretty amazing promise, completeness of joy. In John 15, 9 to 11, he said, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Not like just a little joy that you know. Not like just a bit of happiness that your life could be dipped in here and there. But my joy. Yes. It's almost I like this version because he almost answers our incredulity. Yes. Yes. Your joy will overflow. And it's not just joy that's on offer. We have the promise of receiving in increasing measure all the fruits of the Spirit. Now, to move forward in this beautiful change, the Holy Spirit will highlight what you're clinging on to that's holding you back. You see, because he wants to remove your heart of stone and give you a new heart. It's not up to others in the church or in your family or the people that you have intimate relationships with to do this for you. And neither are you to do this for others. 
I think you'll agree it is completely unappealing to change anything much at all without this intrinsic, personalised urge from the Holy Spirit. It is his work alone. I want to encourage you, though, to trust God with all the changes that he impresses upon you. He wants to replace the full heart of stone. Sometimes we get the big stuff, you know, the unhealthy habits, um, the critical spirit, the pride, maybe the unforgiveness that's holding us back. But sometimes there's just really good things that we, God wants to expand us beyond, that are keeping us anchored. That's why it's his job to do the talking and no one else's. Sometimes it's neutral things, like routine. Sometimes it's small things. You know, a whole lot of small things can really stick us to the same spot. I was surprised when I felt the Holy Spirit ask me to do a small thing. It was a little bit like that story this morning with Naaman. You know, oh, if God had asked you to do a big thing, yeah, I would have done that, but what? Washing a muddy river. The Holy Spirit started to speak into my life that I needed to give up coffee. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm good. It's all right. I'm okay. I'm loving this spiritual process of change. Yeah, this is really good. But, um, I'm pretty good. I only drink one cup of coffee a day. I'm okay with that, you know. But the Holy Spirit had begun changing some really important things. And I recognized the voice, the call to change. And a really clear statement sort of settled over me in this time. And it was that I have plans for you that are really big and amazing, and I don't want anything to hold you back. Can't argue with that. Could argue with a health report, could argue with a spouse, could argue with my mum, but I couldn't really argue with that. And over the next little while, the Holy Spirit shifted my perspective to show me that I was in fact tethered in this particular area. I was a slave to having something by a certain time where I would be very cranky. <laughs> and so with this shift in perspective, I went, okay, well, over to you. I really don't want to, but uh, your will, not mine. And do you know what God did after I prayed that prayer pretty much the next day? He broke my beautiful coffee machine water and steam everywhere and what did I do I panicked <laughs> I went online I looked at forums and I ordered a part <laughs> I wasn't ready to quit today I mean maybe in a few weeks but not today but those next few days were horrific and I know that my guardian angels were delighting in their mischief in making it so. 
But I had to juggle going between cafes and I had, I had all these deadlines and I had uni to get to and work to get to and kids drop off and I had to squeeze in a cafe visit now for a coffee. The coffee was burnt, the people were rude, it took forever. It was just an unreasonable nightmare. And by the third day, I had to just admit defeat and go, I see what you've done here. <laughs> Thank you for being patient and merciful and acting where I just didn't have the will to act. I'm out. No more. And uh, it's a few years down the track now, and I'm coffee-free, and I have the privilege of sitting down regularly with brave women who are caught in the most destructive, the most destructive addictions. And these women honestly share with me how these addictions crush them, hurt them inside and out, they rip apart their families, they tear their children away from them, they leave them without hope. And I see what the devil has done to these beautiful women and I just hate addiction so much. And I praise God that back then he gave me this glimpse of God's power to just smash addiction. It's nothing. It's just nothing to him. He doesn't want anyone tethered because he offers freedom. And I understand now that in that little small change, he was saying that his plan was for me to enjoy total freedom, but it was much bigger than me. It was to love others into that freedom. And I know that that's his plan for you too. The particulars will be unique to you, but that is his plan. If you are earnest in coming to Jesus, I invite you to lay down your stuff now, the big and the small, to trust him, even if it doesn't really make sense, even if you don't think it's an issue, just trust him to begin creating in you a life filled with wholly generated joy. If you would like to give permission for God to do this work now, please join me in claiming this verse in prayer together. Lord, please remove from me my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. God offers a new heart, a new direction, a new inner you with that wholly generated joy and new actions. The Spirit will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Quite simply, the Holy Spirit will move you to live out a life of love. Now this man, carrying a counter-protester to safety on his shoulders, is Patrick Hutchinson. During a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest in London in June last year, Patrick watched as a small group of white supremacists 
violently set upon the young people that he was peacefully protesting with. The militant white attackers were very quickly outnumbered and in a great deal of trouble. Now, quoting Clear Scopoletti from The Guardian, she says, describing his decision to step in, Patrick Hutchinson said, quote, his life was under threat, so I just went under, scooped him up, put him on my shoulders, and started marching toward the police with him. Now, Jesus modelled and described in great detail what a life of love would look like. He effectively cast Patrick Hutchinson, just here, as the Good Samaritan. And he told that story after being questioned about what the most important commandment was. He said, love your God, love your neighbour as yourself. Oh, well, what does that look like? It looks like this, he said. And in doing so, Jesus reframed the law from being a book of rules to being a life of justice, of mercy, forgiveness and love. He wanted you to know that when you invite the Holy Spirit to move you forward, life will look like this. I mean, this means more than just a moral position, a support, doesn't it? In 1 John 3.18, it says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Do you want new actions? Has life gotten a little bit stale, stuck? Do you want new actions, a mission to serve and love others? The best news is that God doesn't want you to come up with these actions or even have the exact right sort of personality type or talents that you can see would fit for mission in a certain way. No. If you think about it, the disciples weren't in the upper room before Pentecost, planning out strategies or a social justice movement campaign or better life goals. They were praying in earnest desperation for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought the power, the direction, the mission, and the action. One of my favorite quotes that I go to often is this from Acts of the Apostles. It's edited a little bit. When you give yourself fully to God, you'll be guided by the divine hand. You might think yourself insignificant and ungifted, but if you trust in God and obey his will, your powers will be purified boosted, energized, um, I'm signing up for that particular one, boosted, energized, and your capabilities will be increased. God, not you, God will map out a mission for you and enable you to make your life an honor to God and a blessing to the world. 
This is the kind of change God wants for you, a purpose-filled, beautiful life that will honour him and bless the world. In Second John, John 1, 6, it says, As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Let's get in motion. Let's walk in love. The Spirit will move you to follow God's ways, to walk in love. But you do have to actually move. When you accept Jesus daily, that's when you give him the right to help you move, to give you that motion. You commit to being in motion, to follow Let's start now by claiming God's promise as a prayer together. In this last part of this verse, let's read together. Holy Spirit, please move me to follow your laws of love. Remember, there's nothing back there in that dead valley. Our journey is onwards and upwards. We're called to spend eternity with our creator in a world without sin, without all this mud and mess. And he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Keep moving. I want to encourage you all, just keep moving. Do you hear God's call to come unstuck? Answer him in prayer, even if it's just an inner whisper without any real desire yet to change, just that begin that process of turning. Reach up to him. He is reaching out to you. Prayer is what will move you on from Christianity light. It is what will prayer and praying God's promises, as we've all done today, will bring you unstuck. I can only say that from experience, and it's a continuous experience. But also I can say it from God's promises in here. Prayer will invite the Holy Spirit to convict you, to move you, to change you. Let's pray together one last time. If you would just bow your heads. Dear Lord, we have heard your call to change. You want us to move on and not get attached to this polluted place or get stuck in busyness or routine. You desire to, for us to live a life of active love, to be in motion, moving ever closer to you, to our eternal home. And you are coming soon. Dear Lord, thank you for persisting in calling us. Sometimes we don't have the will to move. We definitely don't have the power. Please do this for us. We claim the promise that you gave to Ezekiel. Please remove our heart of stone and give us your heart. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit and move us to follow you in keeping your law, actively loving you and others.
Transform us, we pray. Amen.